Well, uh, happy uh, Gaudete Sunday, all of you who uh, know your Latin, which I, uh, you know, mine's okay. And if I remember right, it's a command form, which is kind of like saying, you all rejoice. Um, well, that's the reason for the pink candle. Um, in Lent, the pink Sunday is called Laetare Sunday. So what happens is we've got the purple seasons, which are all about Pen, you know, a penitential season reflecting our, on our sinfulness and the need for conversion. But the church doesn't want us to get too scrupulous about it, you know, because the church in her experience knows that sometimes we can get a little, we can go a little too far because, you know, sometimes people can, can start to feel just too overcome maybe by how much they have to work on. And they lose sight of the fact that actually, the penitential seasons are, are always pointing to a very joyous occasion, right? Advent is pointing us toward Christmas, and Lent is pointing us toward Easter. And so um, the penitential seasons are always meant to serve joy, which seems like a bit of a contradiction when you're in the midst of working on, you know, yourself, when we're working on, you know, our need to to grow our need to to grow in virtue our need to repent from sin etc so let's let's kind of look at it um, under those terms how can we find joy in the midst of penance hmm. how can we see the penitential seasons as a gift and even in the midst of enduring this sort of greater examination of the self how can we find joy there? Well, so we go to the Gospels, or we go to the Gospel, and we, obviously we're picking up in the middle of something because the crowds are just asking, what should we do? Well, remember that John the Baptist is telling them all to repent. And so they're asking, okay, what do we do? What does that mean to repent? And he tells the crowds some very practical things. Well, if, if there's somebody who needs food, you should give them some of what you have. Yeah, very practical. If they need clothing, you should, if you've got extra, you should give them some. And then we're told that, you know, gosh, even the tax collectors showed up. Now, everybody hated the tax collectors back then, you know, as opposed to now. Um, <laughs> they, the, uh, the tax collectors back then showed up at your house. Now, if the tax collector shows up at your house today, you're probably really in trouble. Back then, they always showed up at your house. And, you know, everyone understood that, that the tax collector had to do with their job, but the tax collector was sort of an agent for the, you know, for the, the government or the occupying, you know, government. And what the tax collector would do is they, they'd always, kind of like the mafia, they'd take a little extra, you know, and so, um, when John the Baptist says, stop collecting more than what is prescribed, well, the way the tax collectors would get ahead is if they had to collect 20 bucks, they'd collect 30 bucks. You know, and everybody knew that they were collecting more than they had to, and they were living, uh, you know, better lives because of it. You know, they were, they were basically extorting the poor, or they were, they, were, they were taking it, you know, more than they had to. So they were obviously hated people. They were probably the most hated people in the country. And so very practically, John the Baptist says, well, stop taking more than you need to. Okay, that's easy. Then the, the soldiers, 
Well, what should we do? Well, again, stop using your authority over the people. You're a soldier. These poor people can't do anything to you. I mean, if you use your power to extort from them or, or accuse them of something, you can get anything you want out of them, right? Because you have all the leverage. Stop doing that. Very practically, stop abusing your power over the people. Okay, so for us then, what we're, what we're called to then is to just kind of look at our lives in a very pragmatic way, a very practical way. What are some things that we can stop doing? You know, stop complaining about your wife. Stop complaining about your husband. Stop getting into fights right away with them. Stop complaining about your parents. I don't see a lot of kids here. There's a few in the back. Do what your parents tell you to do right away. Stop fighting with your brother and sister, right? Some very simple things. Hard, but very simple, practical things. So what, I, th I think sometimes, perhaps, maybe we wonder, well, okay, we're supposed to be holy, but I can't be like one of those saints, you know, with all the stories and pictures, and I could never be one of them. But really, our God is calling us to, to very practical things. You know, share, share what you have. Go out of your way to be charitable to those in, in your midst. I mean, um, I'm trying to think of some of, the, some of the common things that are confessed. I can't say everything. And I'm not thinking of anyone in particular. When you're driving, holy cow. The amount of people who sin when they're driving, it's amazing. You people are horrible. <laughs> well, with all the semis out there, right? You know, it's hard to drive out here. I mean, think of all of the different ways and very, you know, throughout the day that we're impatient, we say harsh words. All the many times maybe we gossip. We say something we don't have to say. Well, Father, it's true. It doesn't matter if it's true. We don't have to say it but we say it anyway, because it feels good. All of the little ways that we offend, it doesn't have to be these big glorious sins, glorious being, you know, somewhat sarcastic. They're obviously not glorious, but we sometimes think of sins as these huge things. Well, I'm not doing any of the huge things. Well, that's good. But our Lord wants to kind of work on the very practical things in our lives, you know, practical ways that we can grow. And then other things, too, not just what we ought to refrain from doing. That's, that's, that's just how we start. But the things that we ought to be doing. So not just, you know, obeying our parents when they ask us to do things, but what about actually looking for ways to help? And in our community, not just, you know, um, saying yes when we're asked to do something, right? Similarly as, as with children, but actually looking for ways to help, being proactive. This is the, di the difference between just sort of doing something we're asked to do and actually growing in virtue. You know, not just um, refraining from saying something negative about someone, but actually building people up. You know, actually doing works of charity through, through what we say or what we do. How can we be positive influences in our community, in our work, in our school, etc. What can we do positively and proactively to grow in virtue? So what I'd like you to do over the next couple of days 
And we only have really two weeks left, or a week and a half left of Advent, is I'd like you to pick maybe one or two things, but simple things, you know, simple things. What can you do, what can you do to work on the rest of Advent? I'm not gonna talk back to my mother. I'm gonna do what she asked me to do right away. I'm not gonna be mean to my wife, Ed. I'm not gonna, you know, <laughs> whatever it is, I'm not gonna get into fights sharing with my husband. You know, whatever it is, I'm just picking on you, but whatever it is, just a couple of things to work on, you say to yourself, okay, for 10 days, I'm gonna do these two things, and I'm gonna to commit to that and see what I can do. Now, one last point. This Sunday, you know, the first two readings are all about joy and waiting for the Lord. And then at the end of the gospel, it sounds, it doesn't sound very joyful. All right, now let me read it again because some of you weren't listening. <laughs> it's okay. Read it again. All right. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. That's a good thing. But then his winnowing fan is in his hand to clear his threshing floor to gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. That doesn't sound very hopeful, does it? And for many years, you know, I, I thought about this and just sort of the, the, the dichotomy of like, okay, so the wheat go to heaven and the chaff go to hell. Maybe that's what he means. And, and I don't think that's a false reading of the, of the text. I mean, the thing about the scriptures is you can interpret it in a few different ways. Because it's not always real clear. But I was thinking about it today. And coming on the heels of John the Baptist telling people about how they're to, in very simple ways, grow in conversion and how they're to repent of a very common, you know, sinful practices in their life. When, um, you know, I looked it up a couple years ago. So, so basically, when they would take the wheat, they had to separate the chaff from the wheat. And um, I'm going to get this wrong, and all of you are going to make fun of me because you know I'm a city boy, but basically, they, they'd have to beat the heck out of the wheat and separate the chaff from the wheat. And then they collect the wheat, and the, they kind of sift it, and the chaff would kind of blow away because it was lighter than the wheat. And then they could collect the wheat, and either the chaff would blow away or they would collect it and they could burn it. All right? I think I get that right. I think I have that right. Well, consider a different interpretation. Maybe we're just all wheat. And the chaff, the chaff represents our lack of virtue or our sinfulness or the things that need to be kind of beaten out of us because that makes a lot of sense to me because sometimes it feels like God is beating the heck out of me I don't know about you but sometimes not all the time but sometimes I wonder God what are you doing to me because this isn't how you're supposed to treat somebody you love because it seems like you're beating me up a lot but then after it's over I look back and I can see that I needed to have it happen, and I'm actually better. That there's this uh, reshaping happening, that the Lord is reforming, right? And, and to reform somebody who doesn't really want to be reformed, it kind of hurts. It hurts a bit. 
I mean, holy cow, if you've raised children, you know how this works. If you've got a five or six-year-old, I don't, but I've seen, how, I've seen you do it. They don't like it, and we don't tend to like it as we get older. The Lord reshapes us and reforms us and molds us, and this process is painful. So maybe the chaff represents that which needs to die and be burned away, and that he collects the wheat into his barn and into heaven, purified and made holy. That's what he's doing in us. Please stand.